Father, thank you that we have an opportunity to come here, celebrate Jesus, the great work you've done in our lives, and invite you to continue to do your work. Melt us, mold us, fill us, and use us, Lord. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Man, I'm so glad to see you here today, and my name's Ben. You've caught us on the second week of a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. If you weren't here, I want to take just a moment and uh, kind of catch you up on a couple of uh, guiding principles for this time together. And you can grab your message notes. We'll get to that in just a moment if you'd like to follow along. But here's, here's the challenge when you talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the challenge is, is that God gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit to bring unity to the body of Christ. That's one, one of the primary purposes. Um, it is the Holy Spirit, it, that's the person of God, it's the Holy Spirit that takes every believer, every man and woman who submitted their life to Christ, and brings them into the family of God. That's the work and the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings us all in, and the goal is, is that we would operate as a healthy family. And the challenge is, is that the enemy of your soul, the devil, the liar, Satan, the accuser, whatever you want to call him, the, the enemy of your soul doesn't want any of the good stuff God wants for you to touch your life. He doesn't want any of the joy that God wants for you to touch your life. He doesn't want any of the blessings that God wants for you to touch your life. He takes joy in spoiling the work of God. So when God gives this gift of the Holy Spirit to help bring unity, one of the primary purposes, to bring unity to the body of Christ, the enemy takes great joy in taking this subject that is so rich and so powerful and so awesome and making us fight about it and argue about it and get stuck with the, the details about it and then miss the whole flow of what God wants to do. So the challenge in talking about the Holy Spirit is, is that you bring your own background, you bring your own bias, some of us bring ignorance, some of us bring knowledge. We bring all that to the table and sometimes we get stuck talking about it, which is important to talk about. We get stuck learning about it and it's important to learn about. But really the Holy Spirit was given to the body of Christ, given to you, to be experienced not just learned about. Learned about, yes, let's be clear. Yes, bad theology about the Holy Spirit can create all kinds of challenges. But the goal of learning about the Holy Spirit is not to have good theology. The goal of learning about the Holy Spirit is to experience what God wants you and I to know and do and feel and say and walk. It's not just head knowledge. It has to penetrate the heart. And for the next few minutes, here, here's the challenge. I can fill your head. I can give you information. I can show you a scripture. We're going to do that. But what I can't do is I can't make the, the desire of your heart to be what that song was. That God would take our lives and he would shape us and form us and fill us and use us. I can't do that. In fact, the irony is, is that today we're talking about the Holy Spirit. I am completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. You're completely dependent on the Holy Spirit to take the information that we talk about today and actually do something powerful in your life with it. That's the, that's the truth about all the things of God. You can learn some stuff, but learning was never the goal. Learning was, an end, was a means to an end, not the end. The learning about God was to know him to be infused by him, to be overwhelmed by him. That's what that was all about. So today we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. And this is a two-parter. So we're in the middle of a four-part series. And when we talk about spiritual gifts, it's actually going to be two parts of the four. Today I'm going to lay for you a foundation of the spiritual gifts, the biblical foundation. And then next week, we're going to talk about the various gifts and how they function and what they look like and what they might look like even in our congregation here and Man, if there was ever a topic that has divided people, it's this one. Now, let me tell you a little, a little interesting story. When we started the church, there were uh, about uh, four of us at my kitchen table. That's how we started. Uh, this September, it will be about 16 years ago that we started conversations. This September, it will be 15 years ago that we held our first service. For about a year, a bunch of adults started with four at my kitchen table, grew to about 100 adults, plus their kids. About 100 adults met for a year saying, what's this church going to be like? What, what, what do we believe? Um, what are the guiding principles? How are we going to be structured for accountability? All that stuff. All that happened. And one of the things that happened, and some of you are in the room, you're here for that season. One of the things that happened, there were a couple of conversations that kept coming up as we were discussing what our church would be like. 
And here's one of the conversations that came up, and maybe this will surprise you. If you've gone through our membership class, this will not surprise you. Grow chapter one. But one of the conversations that came up was, is, well, what does this church believe about the spiritual gifts? That's an important question. So the Bible has these gifts defined in it in the New Testament. They are the work of the Spirit. They are given as a gift to the church, to the body of Christ. God uses these gifts to do some cool things we're going to talk about today. But what is this church? What are we going to believe? And there are two big camps when it comes to the spiritual gifts. One camp says that largely speaking, the spiritual gifts were for the New Testament times especially the more elaborate ones and more visible ones, uh, more uh, extreme, if you will. Um, those were given only for the New Testament time, for the establishment of the church. And when the church was established, those pretty much went away because their work was complete. And then there's another group that says, no, 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 no. The stuff that's in the New Testament that talks about was for the establishment of the church, got that right, but it was also for the continuing work of the church. So they didn't stop they actually still function today. So we were discussing this kind of stuff, and we decided before we ever held our very first service that the uh, official position of this church is that we'd be in the second camp. This church believes that, I believe, our leadership believes, everybody who works for here has signed a document saying they agree. All of our board has signed a document saying that they agree that the spiritual gifts, all of them defined in the New Testament, are still functioning today. Now, how they function is a matter of debate and consideration and cultural concerns and all that. So we're going to talk about that next week. But today I want to build a foundation, not for why we believe that. That's established. I want to build a foundation biblically for what the spiritual gifts are and what they do in the life of a believer. Because you may not know this, but when you gave your life to Christ, if you're a believer today, when you gave your life to Christ, an incredible series of events happened to you. Some of them you may have felt and been aware of, and others of them happened without you really knowing it, all right? Now, this happens often in normal life. Things happen, and you're not even aware of them happening, right? So at some point, I, I have four children. At some point, my kids, each of them were born, and how aware of that process they were, I don't know. Uh, they each made a big, big fuss coming into the world. Uh, they cried. Their lungs were working very, very well, and so, so they each made a big fuss, but some point after they were born... The doctors and the nurses and whoever, whatever the legal team of the, the hospital, they got together and they signed a document called a birth certificate. And it identified the date, the time, the place that this child was born. And my kids weren't even aware that that happened. They weren't even aware that that happened. But at some point later, we wanted to do some traveling. My wife had an opportunity to go to the Philippines. We had an opportunity to go with her. And we needed to pull out those birth certificates that had happened at some point in the past in order to get their travel documents, in order to get their passports. And my kids had never even laid eyes on their own birth certificates. But that event had happened. That thing had happened on their behalf. It identified something that occurred. But it wasn't until much later that they understood the power of that document active in their lives as they were proven to be United States citizens, were allowed to travel out, and more importantly, to return back to their homeland. That metaphor there, that happens a lot in spiritual life. When you were given, when you gave your life to Christ and you became a child of God, a son or daughter of the king, a lot of things happened to you. Last week we talked about the Holy Spirit's role in four big things. The Holy Spirit's role in regenerating you, that is giving you a new birth. Jesus' words about this were that you had to be born again. So you were spiritually dead, but you are now by the Spirit made alive in Christ. You are regenerated. That happened to you. You may not have known that's what that was called. You, you may have felt something. You may not have felt something. But when you gave your life to Christ, instantly, in a moment, you were changed from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. You were born. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, taking, taking what Jesus has done on, his, on the cross and the resurrection and applying its power to your life. It didn't happen because anything you did. It only happened by grace. And then the Holy Spirit, we said last week, baptized you into the family of God. There's a spirit baptism that happens the moment you come to Christ. And we're going to do another type of baptism in second service. We have four folks getting baptized today right here in this. I don't know why. I guess first service, I don't know what's wrong, but nobody wants to get baptized in first service. I, 
I don't know if second service is more spiritual. I don't know if it's a more optimum lunchtime. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But there's four people getting baptized in second service. That's a different kind of baptism, but the metaphor is the same. These people are going to go under the water, submerged, covered over, filled up with uh, water, symbolizing the grace of God that's washing over them, the power of God that's washing over them. And when you became a Christian, you got baptized, you got submerged into the family of God. You see how those terms connect? They mean something different, but that's what happened. So you were regenerated, you were baptized, you were indwelt with the Spirit. The Spirit of God, the Bible says, actually takes residence inside of you. Think about this. (laughs) That Jesus said to his disciples, it's good that I go away, because if I don't go away, the Spirit, the Comforter, the Advocate cannot come. Here's what Jesus was saying in in kind of modern-day parlance. That the Holy Spirit inside of you is better than the Jesus beside of you. The Holy Spirit inside of you is better than the Jesus beside of you. That's Jesus' words. That's not Ben's opinion. The Holy Spirit would take all the stuff that Jesus was doing, and he wouldn't just bring it alongside of you and augment your life and add to your life, and if you just add Jesus, you'll be fine. Oh, no, 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 no. What would happen is the Holy Spirit would actually take the work of Jesus and put it inside of you so that from inside of you, life can begin. Not just around you, but inside of you. So the Holy Spirit regenerates, he baptizes, he indwells. And then we talked last week about him sealing us. He actually puts a stamp in the, in the ancient world, a, a, a wax seal over the letter, imprinted with the signet ring of the authority of the letter. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit for the purposes of God. All of that happened. All of it happened when you gave your life to Christ. You may not have been aware of that. Something else happened, though. When you gave your life to Christ, God, by his Spirit, the Holy Spirit, activated spiritual gifts into your life. Spiritual abilities, spiritual proclivities, spiritual understandings that as they took form, would enable you to not just be the recipient of gifts. Oh, that would be awesome by itself. No, no, no. It would actually enable you to use these gifts in the world in which you live. These gifts would show up in your family. These giftings would show up in the church family. These giftings would show up perhaps in your career, in your life, in your everyday walk. When you gave your life to Christ, activated into you, placed into you by the Holy Spirit. They're spiritual gifts. They're gifts of the Holy Spirit placed into you were abilities and competencies and proclivities that would benefit your life for the rest of your life. It's one of the most amazing things that happens. And we don't talk about this enough. I mean, we we do in our grow experiences. We, We talk about the fact that God has shaped you and put into you spiritual gifts. So you haven't gone through that class, perhaps. This is the right thing to do. So, you, you know, that's why we do these grow things. You can understand the deeper things of God. But in this message series, I wanted to awaken in you, I hope. I, I wanted to make you aware, I hope, of what happened to you on that day. And for some of you, this is a bit of review And here's going to be your challenge if it's a bit of review. The challenge for you is not necessarily to learn new information. The challenge for you today is to ask yourself a simple question. Am I using the gifts that God gave me in the way that God meant for me to use them? If you're new today to this topic, the challenge for you is not, you know, this introspective, how's it going so far. The the, the challenge for you is just from this day forward, how am I going to use the gifts that God has given me? So all of us have something to do today. All of us have something to do. So I want you to grab out your message notes. Let's get started. There's some information today, but I want to remind you, my goal is not to teach you things today, although I hope that happens. Uh, that's important. That's good. But the end goal is not to learn. The end goal is to be changed by what we're hearing, all right? It's to be changed by what we're hearing. So spiritual gifts, work of the Holy Spirit. A spiritual gift, your first blank is, a spiritual gift is a God-given ability which enables a disciple. So I'm talking only about believers today. Now, other people are gifted in other ways. And sometimes I think that there might be dormant spiritual gifts in a not-yet-converted person. 
It's just Ben's opinion. I'm way past scripture here. Uh, so, so you see giftings in people, and you're like, whoa, like they're really gifted. And, and they are, yes. But that's not what we're talking about today. All right? Sometimes that and what we're talking about kind of overlap, but that is distinct. I'm talking about the work of the Holy Spirit putting in you certain abilities, proclivities, competencies, understandings for the purpose of leveraging those gifts for the kingdom of God. Leveraging those gifts for the kingdom of God. So a spiritual gift is for a disciple to effectively serve the Lord by serving the body of Christ. So let's break down that definition. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability. So it's not something you come up with on your own. It's not something you can drum up. You either get it or you don't. And guess who gets to decide which spiritual gifts you need? Not you. God does. You don't get to pick them. I, I, I got, there, there's a bunch of spiritual gifts listed in the, in the Bible by some counts up to 26 in the New Testament. Other counts are like 19 and sometimes like is that the same as this one? We're going to get into all that next week. But there are several spiritual gifts I look at them and go, man, I'd like a whole lot more of that. Here's one I'd like. I feel like I have some of this one, but I'd like a whole lot more discernment. Discernment is a spiritual gift where you can kind of intuitively know the rightness and the wrongness of a thing. And here's the funny thing about discernment. Almost everybody thinks they have it. Almost everybody thinks they have it. In other words, everybody thinks that what they think is right is right, and everybody thinks what they think is wrong is wrong. That's everybody. But some people really have it, and I'd like a whole lot more of it. Right? I'd, li- I'd love a whole lot more of the spiritual gift of discernment so that I could really know kind of what was going on and bring that wisdom to bear on life. So it's a God-given ability. You don't get to choose it. You don't manufacture it. You don't drum it up. And it enables a disciple, so we're talking to believers here, to effectively serve the Lord. But the power of the spiritual gifts in the world today, and by the way, the spiritual gifts are only for the world today. When we get to the world tomorrow, when we get to the eternal life, spiritual gifts go away because they're not needed anymore. We have all that we need, all the work has been done, and we just get to enjoy God forever. But in this world, we need the spiritual gifts because there's work to do. But the spiritual gifts happen so that we can serve the Lord, but we serve the Lord by serving the body of Christ. Spiritual gifts are actually given to us so that we can serve the body of Christ. So let's just make a couple things clear. Uh, a, it's not a natural talent that we're talking about here. It's not a natural talent. Now, you may have natural talents. Sometimes your natural talents overlap your spiritual gifts. That's kind of cool when that happens. Sometimes they don't. This is not like sitting down saying, I'm going to learn how to play the guitar. So you practice it for years. And at some point, 20 years from now, somebody looks at you and goes, man, you're very gifted. Well, well you are, but it really wasn't a natural gift. You cultivate it and you, right? Now, some people practice 15 years and they never get good. I, you stink. The bottom line, I don't know what to say about that, but this is an unlearned, but it may be practiced, right? But it's a proclivity given to you, all right? Now, number two, B, it's not just for you. It's not just for you. So, um, at, at my kid's birthday, I give them gifts and they're largely for them, this is not what we mean by spiritual gifts, where you go, here's the thing we give you, now go enjoy. That's, that's not what's going on here at all. It's actually, this is a gift we give you so that you can actually use it to serve others. But here's the funny thing you have to remember about the kingdom. Your joy, my joy, our purpose is, as a follower of Jesus is largely unfulfilled if you make following Jesus all about you. If following Jesus is all about you, your joy will be about that deep, your sense of purpose will be about that deep. In the kingdom of God, which is kind of an upside down world compared to the world, in the kingdom of God, when you get a gift, it's not for you. It's actually for you to use for the benefit of others. But interestingly, when you do that, it brings joy and a sense of purpose and belonging and you're in your right role. That's how it comes back to you as you use the gifts God gives you to serve others. So it's not just a gift for you. So let's say you have the gift of discernment. It's not just for you to use. It's actually meant for you to figure out the way that God wants you to leverage that gift for the benefit of the body of Christ. 
And then when you do that, here's what happens. God gets glory. God gets bigger. God's work grows. And you get the joy of being used by God. You get the joy of walking in your purpose. Now let her see. A gift of the Spirit is not the fruit of the Spirit. We spent the last five weeks before this message series talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Pastor Joseph, Pastor Will helped me do that. The fruit of the Spirit is for every believer at all times. It defines the tone with which you do life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. All right? I skipped two. I don't remember which one. I'm sorry. All right. There's nine. I think I got seven. Somebody can correct me. Okay. But that's for everybody at all times. That's the tone with which we do life. Spiritual gifts are the skills and abilities that God has given us to leverage to move the work of God forward. The fruit of the Spirit talks about the manner in which I do the work. How the work happens. What's the tone? What's the feel? What's the culture? What's the character traits? The gifts of the Spirit talk about the power behind the work that we do. How do we accomplish? Not, not the feel of how we accomplish, but mechanically, how do we accomplish the work of God in this world? And when we do that, joy comes to us. The work of Jesus goes forward. God's name gets bigger. This is all the work of the Spirit. And, and then D, uh, the gifts of the Spirit are not a particular ministry role. There is a spiritual gift, for instance, called pastoring. People have the gift of pastoring, but not everybody has the gift of pastoring, ends up as a pastor, and everybody who has the role of a pastor has the gift of pastoring. The spiritual gift of pastoring, as best we can understand from the scripture, seems to be this role of the long-term care and development of people in their spiritual journey. Care and development. And some pastors, honestly, are low on the pastoring gift, but they're high on the leadership gift. And while they don't pastor through the gift, they align people who have pastoring gifts to get incredible pastoring done in churches, even though they themselves may not have that gifting at the top of their list. So roles and gifts are not the same. So a spiritual gift is a God-given ability for disciples to effectively serve the Lord by serving the body of Christ. Number two, every disciple has been given at least one gift. You have a gift, at least one. Probably many gifts. You probably have many gifts that God has given you. And in fact, let me just show you a couple places in the Bible where this is uh, borne out to us. So there's about six primary passages in the New Testament that deal with spiritual giftings. Here's three of them, just very summary statements. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given us we have so paul's talking to the body of christ and he says look there's a lot of us out here but here's the thing you have to remember about the body of christ we have different gifts and how do you uh, determine who gets what gift well it's a grace that's given to you you didn't earn the gift it's a grace that's given to you and then again paul in first corinthians chapter 12 now to each one to each believer the manifestation of the Spirit, the, the operation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So there's the work of the Spirit given to each believer. And one more time, Paul, Ephesians chapter 4. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So everybody's been given this measure of a grace. <laughs> it's interesting, grace and gift. In the Greek, they have the same root word, charis. Grace and gift, charis. We get our word charismatic from it. Charismatic is a biblical theological term found in your Bible. At least the, root, the roots of it are. The charismata are the spiritual gifts. Charismata, that's the Greek. Spiritual gifts. So every believer is a charismatic. Now, not necessarily in the cultural understanding of that. But every believer has the charismata in their life even those that don't believe that all the gifts are still valid for today. God doesn't care about that stuff. When you become a disciple, he doesn't say, now what's your theology? Oh, you're a charismatic? You get more. Oh, you're not a charismatic? You get ones that aren't as demonstrative. He doesn't do that. He gives you whatever he wants to give you. By the way, that's what God can do because he's God. <laughs> that's what God can do because he's God. He gives people the gifts he wants them to have. All right? 
So, number three. The spiritual gifts are given at the moment of new birth or salvation. And they're given as God sees fit to give them throughout your journey with him. So you get this deposit. They're awakened in you. The metaphor in my mind, we have all kinds of babies born around here at uh, 4C lately. And uh, I've been thinking about my kids. We got a kid going off to college this week. I know I don't look that old, thank you. But we have a kid going off to college this week. And uh, I've been thinking a lot about kids. And I was thinking about when my kids were born. So here, here they are born. They, they made a, a loud entry into the world. And I remember holding each one of them. And I did the classic count the fingers and toes, you know, make sure everything looks, looks okay. And we were blessed that that was true for us. But, but, but here's, here's the thought as it relates to spiritual gifts. Each one of my kids had in them, not fully developed yet, not at their full command yet, but all of their ingrained, inborn personalities. And they didn't even know how to work their hands and feet yet. But there they were, fully formed in miniature, but not controllable yet. This is the spiritual gifts. It's the same kind of way. When you were reborn spiritually, you're an infant. Some of you made a loud entrance into the world. Some of you in the spiritual. Some of you made a quiet entrance into the spiritual. But here you are. And at that moment, God does all this stuff for you. And sometimes you don't know how to use it yet. You don't understand it. But there it is, all the way developed. Just ready to be used over time. That's the spiritual gifts. So it comes to you. And then on occasion in your spiritual journey, God will. God will just go, boom, you get another one. He does. In fact, the Bible actually encourages believers to pray for spiritual gifts. I don't know when's the last time you ever did that. I'm going to show you next week, right in the Bible. It actually says for you to pray for spiritual gifts, to ask God to give you more. But if you haven't done that, that's okay. I'm going to show you kind of how to do that next week, all right? Now, I don't know if God's going to answer your prayer with a yes or a no or, you know, or a wait, but the reason is, is that these things are not meant to be casually engaged. They're meant to be, over time, developed and used for the purposes for which God has designed you. So you have a role. That role needs certain competencies that God means for you to fulfill in the body of Christ. And he doesn't leave you to figure it out alone. No, 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 no. He gives you gifts so that when you're in that role, you have the abilities to do the spiritual work he's called you to do. And sometimes we execute with incredible precision our spiritual gifts, and sometimes we execute them very poorly. And it's almost like some of us are stuck in kind of an adolescent, awkward stage spiritually. That's okay. That's all part of spiritual growth. Some of the gifts I have today have been sharpened and honed, practiced over years. But man, if you could have seen me when I first started in ministry, uh, the truth is it's just almost embarrassing. Some of the things that with good heart and full sincerity and genuine humility, I attempted and it was like I'm a middle schooler trying to figure out what to do on the dance floor. It's just awkward, so... And because of that, here's what happens for a lot of us. We stand like a wallflower at the middle school dance. Because, you know, only the, only the ones who get it are out there doing the thing. But that's not at all God's heart for you with spiritual life. He gave you these gifts to learn, to grow, to develop in so that you have your comfortable place. Your place of purpose and strength. The joy that comes from being in your role and doing what God has called you to do. All right, so you're empowered by God. You're empowered by God. The spiritual gifts are given at the moment of new birth. And then in the next statement, you're empowered in your God-given role in the body of Christ. This is what the spiritual gifts do. You're empowered there. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Look at what the Bible says. Jesus is talking here. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Sumeria and to the ends of the earth. You're going to receive power. <laughs> That's probably the best word to associate with spiritual gifts. I've been using the word ability, skills, proclivities, but the biblical word is power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, Jesus said, when you wait for the gift of the Father, 
When I go away and the better thing comes, that's what he said, I didn't say it. When the better thing comes, you're going to get power. What kind of power? Power to be powerful? No, 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 no. Not power to be powerful. That's, that's kind of heady. That can be arrogant. You don't get power to be powerful. All right, so you can walk in your power. Yes, but no. You get power. Look at what he said, the phrase. Let's just be biblical. You get power to be my witnesses. The spiritual gifts have something to do with the work of God in the world. And when God gave you gifts when you came to him, he gave you a power to do the work of Jesus in the world, to be witnesses of Jesus. Now, sometimes when people are operating in spiritual gifts, but they haven't really valued the fruit of the Spirit, Sometimes the way they operate in spiritual gifts doesn't sound very Jesus-like. The truth is, is we need both the fruit of the Spirit, the tone, the feel, the character traits, and the power. I mean, nothing worse than a very gifted person who doesn't have much of the mind or the heart of Christ in them. Those people can do all kinds of damage. You've seen this on a sports team, haven't you? Like, let's just, where you had the most talented person in the world, like they were the thing, they were the bomb, they were it. <laughs> Nobody could stand them. Have you seen it? What's a good coach do? What's a good coach do? Well, a scared coach who has to meet certain, they just let them play. You know what a good coach does? You restrain the expression of the power so that the character traits, so that the team can do the thing. Right? So the Holy Spirit wants to work in our character, in the culture, in the feel of what we do. But he also wants to empower us to do. Both sides are required. It's a power. Interesting, that word power. You'll receive my power. The word there is dunamas. Dunamas in Greek. It's a great word. Do you know what English word we get from that? Dynamite. You'll receive my dynamite to do the work of God. Now, I know dynamite doesn't mean as much to us. We think July 4th. But if you were even live even 100 years ago, dynamite was the thing you used to move the boulder. Dynamite's how you got rid of the stump. That must have been fun when everybody around the neighborhood was blowing up stumps. Right? I'm from the south. We still do that down there, so I kind of know what I'm talking about. So, You'll receive dynamite when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. That's pretty potent. Pretty potent. Can I tell you something? Without the Holy Spirit, there's really no spiritual work that can get done. You can't and I can't change a human heart. Parents, this is the saddest news. I got to tell you, in, in one regard, and on the other side of the coin, it's the best news in the world. You can't save your kids. You don't have enough power. You can't. I can't change a single human heart. I can't make a single person who isn't soft to the things of God be soft to the things of God. Now, I can watch my tone, my heart, try to. But even that has limited effect. What happens is the Holy Spirit makes people soft. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will enable me to do something when I do it, they'll recognize God in that. And they aren't drawn to me. Here's the irony. They aren't drawn to me. Oh, Ben. No, no. They're actually drawn to God. That's the power. Because it's not about you and me. It's about him and his work. Now, letter five. Uh, there are many gifts. Many gifts. Many gifts. The New Testament contains several lists in uh, I've got four passages here, but there are a couple more that, that relate. Romans 12, uh, there's, uh, 1 Corinthians has two or three, depending on how you count them. Ephesians chapter 4 and 1 Peter 4. In fact, I, I want to look with you, if you don't mind, it won't be up on the screen, but I want to look with you at Romans chapter 12. Uh, Romans chapter 12 is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Paul's talking about spiritual life. But around verse 3 of Romans chapter 12, here's what Paul says. One of the places where the spiritual gifts are, are listed for us. For by the grace given me, the charis, Paul says, by the charis given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, 
but rather think with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, fingers, thumbs, feet, that kind of thing, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, charis. According to the grace given us, if a man's gift is, and here's a couple of the gifts he lists, if a man's gift is prophesying, let him use that gift in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, that's a spiritual gift, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And then the next verse, love must be sincere. It's interesting. All through the New Testament and all these passages, you have the charis, the gift, but there is an associated word with it. We've talked about one of them, power, but there's another word that's associated often with the charis, and it's love. Love for the work of God, love for the things of God, love for the people who need to be impacted by the work of God. That is the motivating force behind exercising the gifts. That's what's meant to be. There can come an arrogance with power. Power and arrogance are always cousins. There's a propensity for that. You're susceptible to it. I'm susceptible to it. Wherever you're good at something, it can go to your head. Some people are good at knowledge, and they learn stuff, and they can quote stuff, and they can do Bible verses. And Paul says to those people, be careful, because knowledge will puff you up. I know. I can talk. I can speak. I know what to say. That can come, that, that's heady, man. Got to be careful. So what has to motivate you is not being puffed up. What has to motivate is love. For God, for the work of God, for the people that the work of God is supposed to touch. And when that happens, so let's kind of see this triangle here. There is the fruit of the Spirit that's marking the character of your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and two more I cannot remember. All right. And there's supposed to be the power that hits your life. But then there is this triangle of love for the things of God for God's work, for the people that God's work is supposed to touch. When those things are all operating, the Spirit is free to flow through your life all the way. And when the Spirit flows through your life all the way, incredible things happen. Incredible things happen. God's power is on display. The character of God is on display in your life. The love of God is on display kindness of God, the Bible says, attracts people. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance, Paul tells us. The kindness of God is on display with you in your life, and people will sometimes not pick up their Bible, but they'll see God in you. God does all kinds of things when the spiritual gifts operated well in the person who is controlled and animated by the Spirit. Incredible stuff happens. Next statement, as you grow... In your understanding and practice of your spiritual gifts, a lot of things happen as you grow in your understanding and practice of your spiritual gifts. Here's a few things that happen. You receive clarity about God's will for your life. Uh, one of the ways to know what God wants to do with your life is as you figure out how has he wired you? How has he shaped you? How has he gifted you? And when you see that, that gifting hints at some of the ways in which he wants to use you. If you have, as Paul said in Romans 12, the gift of teaching, the gift of teaching seems to be taking what can be complex material and explaining it in ways that make sense to people and they're able to receive this complex material in a way that it lands in understanding in them. One of my spiritual gifts is teaching. <laughs> you can disagree with that. But... Uh, what happens is, is if that's the spiritual gift, then probably my role in the kingdom of God would include some teaching. Does that make sense? Now, sometimes that'll be formal. I'll have a role that has a title. Other times it'll be informal. We have people in this church who have the gift of teaching, and you don't have a title or a role, but everywhere you go, you have this natural ability to take complex things and explain them to people, and when you talk, they understand them. 
complex things about the kingdom of God sometimes, maybe, maybe other things. These gifts can, can, can splinter out into other areas of life. But ultimately, your gift is to be leveraged to help people experience all God has for them. And sometimes that means they have to understand complex things, and a teacher can make that happen. In fact, we, when we started this church, one of the things we prayed God would do for us is that he would use teaching as a catalyst for life change. That's why we spend so much time teaching around here. The teaching would be a catalyst for life change, and we would look for God-anointed and God-inspired teachers. In our small groups, when they're taught, so sometimes you don't have to teach a small group. You just lead or facilitate a small group, and the material teaches. Because some people who host small groups don't have the gift of teaching. That's fine. But they have the gift of hospitality. And they can make people feel loved because they genuinely love them. And they're really good at using their finger to press play on a on an electronic device, so that right now media streams the teaching content in. Does that make sense? That's kind of the way the spiritual gifts can work. So the role is small group leader. Are you a teacher? Well, maybe. Are you a facilitator who has the gifts of hospitality? Maybe. There's a lot of things you can be, and God can use the role, but he'll use you in your unique way to make a difference in people's lives. And number two, when you go in your understanding, what's going to happen is you'll actually benefit the family of God. So these are your brothers and your sisters and your spiritual children. And look at what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4. From him Christ, that's the him, the whole body, that's the church, the, the spiritual brothers and sisters. From Christ, the whole church, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the way the spiritual gifts work. And you have one. God wants you to use it and exercise it. And the third thing that happens when you understand and practice your spiritual gifts is you glorify God. It's one of my favorite theological terms, glorify. The best synonym for glorify is it makes it shine. When you use your spiritual gifts, you shine God. You bring light. God is light. He is the father of lights. In him there is no shadow or turning, the Bible says. God is glory uh, radiating from him. But when you use your spiritual gifts, they don't make you awesome. Well, you might be. But they make God seem more awesome. This is the power of understanding and operating in your spiritual gifts. Look at what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4. Each one should use whatever gifts he or she has received to serve others. Faithfully administrating God's grace, charis, gift. Faithfully administrating God's charis in its various forms. If anyone speaks, so some of the gifts are about speaking, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, some of the gifts are about serving, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God might be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is how Peter talked about it. So here we've been talking about the spiritual gifts, getting some knowledge. Some of you have been reminded. Let me give you the last point. You can actually begin today with spiritual gifts. And if you've already begun, my prayer is that you'd be encouraged in your journey. And if you had begun but you've stalled, my prayer is that you'd be reignited in your journey. At one point, Paul writes to Timothy, his, his protege, his spiritual son, and Paul's about to leave the earth, and the work is big and massive. Paul, obviously, is a little concerned about how it's going to go on. And he says to Timothy, Timothy, here's the deal. I want you to remember the spiritual gifts given to you when people laid hands on you and prayed for you. Wow. So evidently, you can get some spiritual gifts by the laying on of hands. That's just the Bible. I, you're welcome to disagree with it, but that's what it says. So Timothy, I want you to remember those gifts. And then he says... And I want you to fan it into flame. So how, how, many, how many pyromaniacs out here? You know, you know what I'm talking about when he says fan it into flame? It's fun stuff. The other night my kids had a bonfire at the house and the little thing we have. We're in the suburbs. So we have a little thing, right? You know, bonfires, you have a little thing. And uh, they were building a fire, and there were little embers down there, but it wasn't quite catching, so they had to fan it into flame, right? Put a little breath on it. Put a little... Get, get, come on, get it going. And when they did, what happens is, is the extra oxygen, chemical stuff, and the, the flame gets bigger, right? You fan it into flame. Can I tell you, sincerely, all joking aside, here's what I've prayed. God, 
in this series, we pray that you would make us, mold us, fill us, and use us by your spirit. That you would, in fact, fan into flame the gifts that you have put into your body here. Sometimes people have never even thought about stepping out. They'd step out. That, that, that some people who have stepped out, but they've gotten weary, so they've pulled back, they'd re-engage. You'd fan it back up, God. And some people who are kind of doing it, you just pour more on them. So let me give you five quick ways to do that. You can read if you want to begin in this stuff today. Let me tell you the books, let me, let me tell you what to start to read. You know, pick up the book of Acts. Go to Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians um, 4, and, and 1 Peter 4. And just read these passages and just see what the word of God actually says. You can pray. And we kind of did that in that song that we sung, you know, make me, mold me, fill me, use me. Those are prayers, dangerous prayers, by the way, for God to mold and shape you and use you. But you can pray. Here's, here's another set of words you can use. Father, open my eyes and show me where I fit into the body of Christ. Use me, God. You can ask disciples who know you, hey, how, what do you see in me? What do you see in me? Uh, that would indicate some ability that God's put into my life. You can become a student of the spiritual gifts. Uh, you can attend Grow uh, 3, which is where we kind of explore that stuff. Um, you can do other, there are all kinds of books about this stuff. Now, there's some stuff out there that's crazy. We'll manage all that next week a little bit. The bottom line is you can grow and you understand. You can literally put on your learner's hat and say, God, I just want to understand this stuff. But perhaps the best thing you can do is practice. Practice. If you feel like God's given you the gift of teaching, you don't need me to sanction you. You can find a way to use that gift of explaining complex things. Maybe, maybe you do that in a, in a kid's class. And maybe you do that in a small group. Maybe you do that over coffee with the person. But find expression for your gifts. Next week, I'm going to share with you some of the more um, uh, visible gifts, some of those that kind of get some attention, some of the ways that we do that around here. And um, if you're gifted in that way, is, you know, the reason we create structures to operate in gifts sometimes is to help you grow and practice in that. It'll be a gift to you. For some of you that aren't as, you know, uh, visibly gifted, like some of your gifts are more hidden, not as obvious initially, I want to empower you as well. So come next week and let's talk about some of the details of how these things work. But today is all about getting your heart moving in the right direction. So I've tried to fill your head, but the whole goal has been to move your heart, to get your heart thinking about, God, how have you wired me? How have you gifted me? How do you want to use me? To help other people know and love you more. To make you shine. So I want you to grab out your connect cards right now. And let's take a couple steps. <clears throat> I've been talking about the spiritual gifts and how that they're for believers. But it's very possible that you're not yet in a relationship with Jesus. And if that's the case, I want to give you a chance right now to change that. The Bible says that if you'll acknowledge what God says about you. That you're a sinner that can't save yourself. That God will save you. He'll take the work that Jesus has done on the cross and in his resurrection, and he'll apply that work to your life. If you want that for yourself, I'd ask you to take the pen, check next step A that says, today I'm making Jesus my Savior and Lord. And in a minute, I'm going to pray with you and give you a chance to do some business with God. God, I am not able to save myself. Would you take the work of Jesus, the Lord of the universe, and apply it to my life, make him the Lord of my life? When that happens, the Bible says you'll be born again. We'd ask you to take the card, put it in the offering bucket, and let us communicate with you this week about what it means to be a child of God. Or next step B, I want to be baptized on August 11th uh -huh, uh -huh, or October 13th, all right? So the next one is October 13th. We're going to baptize people, <clears throat> uh, second service, four of them who have committed their lives to Christ. And when that happens, if you want to hang around and see it, if you haven't seen one, it's pretty potent. They go under the water, and when they come up, the first sound they hear is their brothers and sisters celebrating with them the work that God is accomplishing in their life. If you have questions or want to do it, you check the box. That's how you begin. Next step C says, pray this prayer each morning this week. Father, awaken all of your gifts in me and give me opportunities to serve others. Awaken all your gifts in me and give me opportunities to serve others. Next step D says, hey, I'm on a team or I'd like to join one. Please send me information to sign up for the volunteer event. I'm really, really looking forward to celebrating the amazing team that makes it happen around here. 
next Sunday. So sign up for that. You just check the box. We send you all the information. Many of you already have done that. Thank you. Uh, this is one of my favorite times of the year where I get to look you in the eyes and say, sincerely, I can't believe that you would partner together like this to do such an amazing thing. Let me show you what God has done. Uh, that's what we're going to do next week. We're going to celebrate all that stuff, all right? And the next step, be, please send me a link to sign up for the fall semester of freedom. We've been talking about that's where believers have a chance to understand more about God and the way he wants to fully work in your life, all right? So if you uh, are done with that, you can set that aside for just a moment. If you call this church home, I want to give you an opportunity to give back to him a portion of what he's blessed you with. Uh, you know, every week I try to find a way um, to say to you, thank you for your giving. And um, for service, this first service, this won't be as obvious, but I'd like to just for just a moment, instead of saying a whole lot, I'd like to just point right here. Right here. Now, there's a lot of ways we know if God's using us. And one of the ways we can count the number of people that come in the building, it's a, it's a shallow way, but it's one way. Uh, we can count the number of volunteers we have. That's probably a little bit better. People who actively agreed to work with us and do the work of God around here. But when I think about what's going to happen in this horse trough, that's what this is, you know that, right? When I think about what's going to happen in this horse trough second service, uh, it just melts my heart. It melts my heart. Because there's probably no better proof that God is at work than when adults say, I want you to know that I'm not ashamed, I'm with Jesus. An incredible lot of things have to happen right for that to happen. God has to be drawing, and he did. People have to respond, and they did. But the other thing that often has to happen is there has to be a group of people who've been using their gifts to honor God and help people. All their gifts, their financial gifts, their talent, their time. And I just want to be crystal clear with you. You are, you have, and you are doing that. And so today, whether you're in second service or not, we're going to celebrate some of the fruit of your work. And, and it, it's one thing for me to say thank you. I, I know how important that is. But I just want you to know your heavenly father is thrilled. He is pleased that we are using our gifts for his glory. And he's blessing it, which means it's not a waste. Your time is not wasted. Your efforts are not wasted. The seeds that you have planted are sprouting and producing fruit. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, sincerely, God is using us. Let's pray right now. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing in our midst. God, we're just privileged to be a part of it. God, I'm blown away that you would gift us with spiritual gifts. You would give us power. And when we exercise that power, you would be glorified and we'd get joy. So, Father, I pray you'd give us a revival of joy in this place. Joy that comes from serving you and using the gifts you've given us to serve others. Father, I pray that you would fan into flame the gifts that you have given us. For those that are dormant, let them rise up. For those that are yet undiscovered, let them be discovered. For those that are faithfully executing, God, encourage them as they faithfully execute. And, Father, now would you take our gifts, our financial gifts that we give, would you receive them? Would you bless them? Would you multiply them? Would you cause their impact to go far and wide? And Father, as we continue our journey of understanding and knowing the Holy Spirit, I pray as we sung that you would make us, mold us, fill us, use us, Lord. Use us for your glory. We pray it in the name of Jesus, the strong and holy Son of God. Amen and amen.